TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Welcome to At Your Service. Brad Young in with you this evening. And uh, we've got lots of things on tap for you all evening. I'll be here till 11 o'clock tonight, and uh, we'll be doing interviews. We'll be having call-ins. Uh, we'll be having more fun than humans should be allowed to have. And uh, if at some point, if you want to uh, uh, text us, I do have some interviews tonight. Obviously, we don't take calls during the interviews, but if you want to text us at any time tonight, text line is open, 314-436-7900, and that's, of course, call or text. And uh, if you want to send me an email, I will be checking emails or even at my office. Um, I always respond to emails. I was here, uh, I think it was Monday night, got a lot of emails and spent uh, Tuesday morning uh, responding to those. So if you want to send me an email, be young, because let's face it, it's good to be young. Be young at harrisdowell.com, H-A-R-R-I-S-D-O-W-E-L-L.com. Mike Anderson, producer extraordinaire, didn't like that line. Uh, but uh, send me an email at any time. Would always, always love to hear from listeners. And, uh, you know, the biggest story, bar none, and I'm sure you heard the news, fully vaccinated people no longer have to wear masks. Yes. Yes, the studio audience loves that. No longer have to wear masks. That's according to the CDC. So, when your obnoxious friends bug you about not wearing a mask, you can say with disdain and in a condescending tone, you can say, follow the science. You can do that. You can say, follow the science and tell them you don't need no stinking masks. So uh, leave those at home. Of course, we'll be uh, fighting over that for a few more days. But uh, the biggest thing is, is that is uh, uh, will Joe Biden stop wearing a mask? You know, that dude's been wearing a mask like even I think in the back of uh, of uh, Air Force One, he's still wearing a mask or in the car uh, whenever he's standing by Kamala Harris. He's always wearing a mask. I mean, the guy loves his mask. So uh, maybe now he will follow the science and, uh, and stop wearing it. There has been, you know, so many crises over the past few days and past few weeks. It's uh, it's really hard to keep track of them all. But potentially even worse than the pandemic, worse than the stock market drop, worse than sky-high inflation. Chick-fil-A, my friends, is limiting packets to one per entree amid industry-wide shortages. And they blame it on labor disruptions and supply chain issues. 
But um, you know, I put this, I put two stories together, folks, and I've got a, I've got an answer for this Chick Fil A problem because you've heard about the pipeline. You've heard that the pipeline, the Colonial Pipeline, was shut down by hackers, and and we've got an interview coming up uh, just after the next break with a cybersecurity expert. We're going to talk to him about this. But here's an idea. I mean, while this pipeline is shut down, why why don't we just repurpose the pipeline to transport Chick Fil A sauce? I mean, we could do that. You could get it across the country. You solve two problems at once. Bingo. No charge for that brilliant. Brilliant idea. So uh, maybe we can do that. But but speaking of the pipeline, I mean, think about this, and Mike, keep that music going because, yeah, that's staying alive, but we've got sky-high unemployment. We've got skyrocketing inflation. We've got 15,000 gas stations out of fuel. We've got cars lined up for miles and miles in the East Coast that simply do not have gasoline. Plus, we have a president that seems out of touch. So you know what that means? That means welcome to the 70s, my friend. That's what it is. We've got unemployment, no gasoline, and a questionable president. It's the 1970s. Welcome, my friends, to the 1970s. I'm going to have to, if I had hair, you know, I would have to grow it long and let it go down to my shoulders. And i got to go dig out my bell-bottom pants and... And uh, uh, and then I've got to start moving. We need to we need to interview John Travolta if we're going back to the seventies. There's a guy right there. Uh, you know the other thing is we have to break out the Tang. When's the last time you drank Tang? You know that's from the nineteen seventies. And my El Camino, my nineteen seventy two El Camino had an eight track tape player, baby. It was something. Let me tell you. But uh, unlike Bill Clinton, my uh, El Camino did not have astroturf in the back. But uh, Clinton likes to brag. He used to like to brag about it that, you know, he said he had AstroTurf in the back of the El Camino. Then he'd give you a wink and a nod. And, and uh, uh, but no, that was not. I used mine to transport drums, not for what Clinton was using his for. But love that eight track tape player. Oh, boy. The benefits of no fidelity. So uh, <laughs> welcome to the 1970s. Hey, uh, Liz Cheney, in the minute we've got left here, you know, she was voted out of her leadership position today, and and I had a great idea. uh, And in fact, I got a call about this because in a very classy move, former Vice President Dick Cheney, Liz Cheney's dad, in fact, invited President Trump to go out on a conciliatory hunting trip. He did. (laughs) That's right. Dick Cheney invited President Trump to go hunting. And and according to reports that I got just about 10 minutes ago, Dick Cheney said, and I'm quoting, just you and me out alone in the woods, Donald, with no secret service. Uh, I'm not sure that's a good idea. If you remember, uh, Dick Cheney once shot an attorney in the face while they were hunting. So maybe that wasn't uh, wouldn't be such a good idea. Hey, we're going to take a break. And when we come back from this break, uh, you know about the shutdown of the Colonial Oil Pipeline. It's starting to to come back online today, but we're going to talk to a cybersecurity expert about how this happened, about the type of security breach, and whether this is going to become more common in the future, and how you can protect your home and business from hackers. Brad Young, at your service on Camo X. Don't go away. Keep 
pace with the latest locally. Ask your smart speaker to play KMOX. Welcome back to At Your Service. Brad Young here on KMOX. And undoubtedly, you've heard about the pipeline shutdown, the Colonial Pipeline. It supplies 45% of the East Coast gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. And it's been shut down for the better part of a week. And I think today there was some news that it's just now coming back online. But, But to help us understand the basis for the pipeline shutdown, I reached out to cybersecurity expert Nick Powers. He's the vice president of the technology consulting firm uh, Uncommon, based over, he's based at Scott Air Force Base in O'Fallon, Illinois. Hey, Nick Powers, thanks for joining us this evening on Camo X. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, Brad. Appreciate uh, the opportunity to chat with you. Now, uh, the the shutdown was apparently the result of the ransomware attack, and and uh, the news that just came out today was that the the uh, apparently Colonial Pipeline paid five million dollars to these folks. But just walk us through, Nick Powers. How does a ransomware cyber attack? How does it happen? Yeah, Brad. So there's there's a few ways it happens. Um, the typical way that it happens is. These ransomware um, cyber criminals actually, you know, buffet all these companies with emails. You, you guys get them all the time in your in your Gmail and things like that. We get them at corporate locations as well. And you know, in some cases, you can easily tell that it's it's illegitimate. But in some cases, you can't. And we've actually been brought into situations where somebody's clicked on an email, and I've seen them. They look completely legitimate. Um, they like to the fake out UPS emails and things like that. And you don't even know it's not UPS uh, unless you hover over the link that you're getting ready to click. click and you can kind of see that link preview and you can see it's not going to UPS.com. And so mm-hmm. a lot of the times the payloads are delivered via email to these companies. Well, I know uh, my, my law firm gets these things all the time and I'm always trying to educate uh, the, the folks at my law firm about uh, the difference between legitimate emails and how to spot them and more from what you just said, even if they look fantastic, you really have to go by timing and context, don't you? In other words, if I'm not expecting an email uh, from FedEx or I'm not expecting something from Amazon, then if it suddenly pops up, maybe that's a clue in context. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You shouldn't, shouldn't you know, uh, people like to have, you know, what I call like Christmas surprises, right? Like, oh, man, I'm going to get a package all of a sudden. And then you click on the email and and uh, lo and behold, you've, you've clicked on something you shouldn't have. So, yeah, yeah, you'll get you'll get a present, all right. Important for sure. Hey, the group behind this particular attack, at least reportedly called Darkside, uh, has Russian connections. But at least what I've been seeing publicly, Nick Powers, they've said it's not about politics; it's just strictly about money. So, uh, uh, what you described in terms of these emails that come in, that's typically referred to as phishing with a PH. Is that right? Absolutely. Yep, you are correct. And I also understand that even sometimes uh, USB drives can be a culprit in exposing a closed network to uh, an outside source of information. Yeah, it's definitely proximity plays a big part. And in, in if you want to load a payload into a into a network, um, you typically don't see that very often. Um, you know, at the end of the day, criminals are these cyber criminals are very lazy. They just want to take the easy <laughs> way out and send things. But uh, in in the case of Colonial, I mean, this was a strategic, uh, yes. well thought through tactical attack that that people you know leveraged 
specific tools that uh, uh, potentially even, um, you know, they, they use social engineering or other things to get, uh, you know, infiltrate the company and to get that payload uh, into colonial systems. Uh, it didn't get in as far as we can tell into the industrial network, but it definitely got into the, uh, the headquarter network and they were worried that it might uh, infect the industrial network. So they shut the pipeline down. Hmm. Well, we're talking to Nick Powers. He's, of course, the vice president at Uncommon. It's a technology consulting company, and and uh, Mr. Powers is based over at Scott Air Force Base in O'Fallon, Illinois. And I understand uh, that this hacker group, Darkside, is now is now really joining the ranks of true capitalism because they're selling an easy to use kit to other hacker groups so that these other groups can replicate their success in holding companies hostage. So if that kind of activity is going on, Nick Powers, do you see ransomware attacks becoming an increasing trend? Yeah, so Brad, what you're referring to is this new um, idea of ransomware as a service. And so uh, we believe over the last year or so, this group, DarkSide, got together. They uh, aggregated multiple tools. Um, you know, it's kind of very similar to how we, how we run businesses today, right? We're trying to make things easier, more intuitive to use. Well, they built a dashboard with all these, uh, easy buttons and everything else, uh, to tie all these tools together. So it makes it very easy for you to attack a company. I will say some of the details we've seen is they actually vet, um, people to make sure that, uh, they do not attack hospitals and a few other things, uh, if that makes you feel any better, but, uh, so the criminals are, with a conscience, is that what I'm hearing? I, I I guess that's what it is, Brad, for sure. <laughs> Goodness. Well, and, and they're not just limiting it to to uh, uh, to ransomware because one of the other stories that was big this week it was kind of overshadowed, of course, by the Colonial Pipeline because of the impact that the Colonial Pipeline closure has had on the southeast uh, part of the country. But uh, another hacker group, I, I couldn't determine whether this was dark side or not, but apparently. They penetrated the Washington, D.C. Police Department, and they've been releasing personal information of police officers, including their psychological evaluations, their credit history, and even their social security numbers. So these phishing attacks that can be as innocuous as an email that shows up in your inbox, this stuff isn't just limited to ransomware attacks, is it? Well, actually, it's kind of the evolution of ransomware over time. So when they initially started rolling this software out, um, these attacks back, I'd say roughly four to five years ago, the typical ransomware delivery was it got into your network and encrypted all your files and then basically called home and said, hey, you know, we've got a target for you to reach out to, to you know, ransom uh, the de- decryption key. Um, what they've done is they've evolved now, and as as it encrypts the data in your network, it actually opens up holes and sends unencrypted data to the cyber criminals, you know, home servers. And so essentially what they're doing is they're, they're, they're kind of making sure that you pay the ransom by saying, Hey, look, not only have we screwed up all your company's uh, infrastructure, but we now have all your data and Mm -hmm. we're going to extort you. We're going to, you know, put this stuff on the web. Uh, It could be sensitive data. It could be trade secrets. It could be a lot of things. And so, you know, what companies were doing previously was, you know, it's only localized to my network. They didn't steal my data. I'll just restore from backups. But now these criminals have have the data, and that's kind of part of the setup. And so now you're, like, incentivized to pay the the bounty, pay the Mm -hmm. ransom. 
But a lot of times, I mean, I, someone listening right now, and of course we're talking to Nick Powers. He's the vice president at Uncommon. It's a technology consulting company. But Nick, uh, a lot of people who are listening to this right now are saying, oh, I don't have to worry about that. I'm all backed up. But when you're talking about ransomware, a lot of times, doesn't the ransomware do one of two things? Either number one, it uses encryption so that you can't access your own data, even if it's backed up. Or or secondly, uh, the, the, the virus is implanted. So when you back up and it has a time bomb release. So in essence, when you're backing up your computers, you're also backing up the ransomware uh, trigger that will eventually even encrypt your backups. Is that a, a, a thumbnail sketch as to how that can work? Brad, if I didn't know better, I'd, I'd say you were uh, of the cybersecurity guild uh, that we typically work with. Uh, that was a great kind of rundown for sure. Um, yeah, so it, it's very important to back up your files, um, especially nowadays. There's a lot of really great tools like cloud-based file system backups, such as Dropbox, Box. Uh, Microsoft's got a product called OneDrive. You can use Google Google Drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that does is, you know, like you said, if you back up your systems, but you back it up to another server in your network that's not separated from the other systems, when that ransomware runs wild, it's going to get over to your backup system and encrypt those files as well, and then you're stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, what you need to do is either move those to, uh, you know, uh, external backup drives and or ship that stuff out via a, a, sure, a secure connection to, you know, one of these new cloud provider uh capabilities so you can, you know, make sure that you're protected from a ransomware uh, attack in that case. Yeah, it could be air-gapped. But uh, but in, in this instance, though, uh, I mentioned that, that I've got a law firm here in, in St. Louis, and, uh, you know, we're a small company. And so I think a lot of folks think this is just an issue for big companies. But big companies also have the resources to devote to hiring experts like you to keep them safe. But maybe smaller companies may not, and they might actually be more vulnerable. So this isn't just an issue, is it, for big companies? Oh, absolutely not. In fact, uh, you know, you, you add up enough attacks on small companies and you, you, you make yourself a pretty good living. Um, you know, we've, we get calls all the time. Uh, I would say we've gotten about five calls in the last couple of weeks just from small, small and local companies, even, even a local police department that got hit. And the interesting thing about this is these criminals aren't idiots. They know that if they hit a mom and pop business, that they're not going to get a million dollars out of them. And so they, they, they go the route of, you know what, pay us $500. Uh, and now it becomes a, a business decision. Is it mm-hmm. worth 500 bucks to get the decryption key and, and just get, get on with life? Or do I want to fight this? Do I want to try to restore from backups? Do I want to, you know, you know, go through that whole process of restoring everything uh, obviously, like you said before, you, even if you do buy the decryption key, you really have to make sure your network's clear of any other issues. But, you know, they they attack everybody. It's it's all about money, and, and you know, it's, it doesn't matter who it is. Yeah, you, you talk about the cost of doing business. Apparently, Colonial Pipeline felt that $5 million was – it was better to pay the ransom uh, than it was to try to restore from backups that may even themselves – be infected. So uh, even if a company can't afford $5 million, if they're a small company, you're right. A $500 ransom fee uh, for a, a small mom-and-pop company, that may seem worth it. You multiply that by 10,000 mom-and-pop companies, and uh, you know now we're talking about some real money. Hey, uh, Nick Powers, if folks want to get more information on your company and what possibly Uncommon can do for them, how can they reach you? 
Yeah, so we're on the web, www.uncommn.com. It's spelled a little di- differently. Um, another way to get a hold of us, too, is we've set up a special inbox for people that have cybersecurity issues. And so it's cyberhack, C-Y-B-E-R-H-A-C-K, at uncommon.com, U-N-C-O-M-N.com. And uh, feel free to reach out. Feel free to send an email. We love to help folks. Um, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, we're just trying to get small businesses back on their feet. It's not about a, a consulting engagement for us. It's about, you know, giving back and making sure people can continue to grow. I mean, not too long ago, we were only a business of 10 people. Today, we're about 225 people. And, hmm. and we know what it means to be a small business and what it takes to, to grow up here in St. Louis. So um, we're, we're definitely here to help. Very good. Nick Powers, Vice President at Uncommon. Thanks so much for joining us this evening on KMOX. Thanks a lot, Brad. Great talking to you. Great information here on The Voice of St. Louis. We'll be back right after this. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Get the inside story on what's happening with your St. Louis Cardinals this season directly from the Redbirds manager. It's the Mike Schilt Show, Sunday mornings at 10.15, sponsored by Bath Fitter on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back to At Your Service. Brad Young here this evening. Phone lines are open. What's on your mind? 314-436-7900. Call or text. And, uh, yeah, I did talk to Nick Powers uh, here for the last few minutes, a cybersecurity expert. But during that time, I did get a lot of interesting uh, text messages. Uh, Some of them, unfortunately, are not radio worthy, uh, meaning there's words I can't say on radio. But one uh, one uh, uh, texter did point out that the that the 1970s brought us the Ford Mustang, Two. And the 2020s is bringing us the electric Ford Mustang crossover. So I think that he's making a comparison that uh, both of those vehicles uh, kind of stink. So, yes, keep those texts and calls coming. And I mentioned at the very, very top of the show that the CDC has said that that fully vaccinated people don't need to wear face masks indoors or outdoors in most settings. And it's about time. Now, there are still a handful of situations where you might need to wear masks, such as, and this is coming from uh, Rochelle Walensky. She's the head of the CDC, the director over there. She said today that you might still need to wear a mask if you're in a healthcare setting, if you're in a business that requires them, or if you're on an airplane. And, uh, and or even if you've had your final vaccine dose more than two weeks ago, you still may need to wear a mask in those situations. If you're riding on a bus, 
if you're riding on a subway car, you know, those kinds of things where you're in an enclosed space with a lot of people, you might still want to wear a mask. But um, uh, but otherwise, hey, listen, it's just kind of like uh, folks at Walmart. You can just kind of run around without your pants on. That's what you're going to feel like by not having to wear a mask. So uh, that will be a, a good news for most of us. So uh, how do, what do you think of that? And what's interesting is just as this is happening, Eric Schmidt earlier this week, the the uh, secretary of state for the state of Missouri, he filed a lawsuit against our own Dr. Sam Page uh, with regard to the restrictions that St. Louis County still has in place. So what I'm looking forward to is to see how quickly some of these ridiculous, draconian, overbearing regulations, how quickly these start to come down. Because if they don't, I mean, again, I, I've been having to hear from folks for a long time now to to follow the science. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. One of my very, very liberal friends keeps telling me to follow the science, follow the science. And then I, of course, point out to him that, that, well, why don't you follow the science? Certainly when it comes to abortions, I mean, that child has its own DNA. It can live outside the womb. It's a person. It's not tissue. Why aren't you following the science? And then, of course, when I say that, he looks at his shoes and changes the subject. So uh, I know everyone has their own personal biases. I get that. But at this point, if we don't start to see some of these restrictions coming down, uh, then uh, uh, there's going to be litigation. And, of course, <laughs> I'm always in favor of litigation. That's always a good thing, isn't it? It's always a good thing. And uh, you'll be seeing more and more of that, even though we've been seeing it, uh, certainly this week right here locally. But speaking of these draconian measures, just today, and I, I talked a little bit about this last week when I had in uh, State Senator Bob Onder. And Bob Onder was in to talk about that there was a, there was a House bill in, in Jefferson City and a Senate bill that were a little different, but they both were aimed at reducing the power of local officials to implement these health mandates on a unilateral basis with no checks and balances, uh, with no input from the county council, no input from other uh, legislative-like type bodies, uh, nothing. It was just unilateral what uh, Sam Page wanted, Sam Page got. And last time I checked, that's really not how democracy works. And so Jefferson City, uh, the, it's just today, the House and the Senate did what's called a resolution committee where they got together, they worked out the details of the bill, and now the bill is going to the, the uh, uh, Governor Parson's desk for his signature. Now, what does this mean? What's going to happen? Well, it's not really going to have any impact, I think, on this particular pandemic because hopefully we're at the end of it. I mean, you know, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel and I just hope that it's not the light from an oncoming train. But uh, but in this at this point, this will be for any future pandemics that we have to deal with. And God forbid, I hope we don't have to. But in the event we do, in future pandemics, uh, someone like a, a county health official, a, a city public health director, or even a county executive that may, you know, just hypothetically thinks he, he uh, has more information than anyone else, in those situations, their implementation of health guidelines and mandates will be limited to 30 days. And I think that is a very, very good balance because there still needs to be local control. But if, if those health mandates have to be in place for longer than 30 days, 
then at that point, Delos cannot be extended unless the county or rather the state government in Jefferson City would approve that. And I think that is an excellent balance between having some degree of local control, but yet making sure that we don't have the draconian measures that, at least in St. Louis County, we've been living under now for the past year. And it's really amazing because even in the city of St. Louis had more reasonable restrictions than did the county. And there was no other county in the state of Missouri that had the level of restrictions that we had here in St. Louis County. And I'm glad that Jefferson City uh, is addressing this particular issue because if we have to deal with this again, folks, uh, uh, this needs to be this needs to be resolved in terms of how far can a county executive go with unilateral health and safety mandates. Hey, Rob, welcome to KMOX. Great discussion. I'm glad you're bringing it up. And, uh, you know, you made some good points. Uh, I'm not going to say I disagree or agree with them, but just a philosophical question mm-hmm. is, all right, if we talk about health authority uh, officials, how much wide latitude they have, what would you do if there's a boil order? I mean, we depend on them. If somebody determines that there's a main break and the water may mm-hmm. be contaminated, and they immediately say a boil order. I mean, that's that's something we've got to consider when we're talking about limiting authorities of the health authorities, isn't it? Well, it is, but uh, have you ever heard of a boil order lasting 30 days or longer? No, no, no. Uh, no, no. That wasn't the question. The question was, as I, I said, you made some good points, but the, was, the comment was that they're passing legislation, and I'm not saying I necessarily disagree with that, to limit the authority of a health authority. Well, how would you limit it? How would you define mm-hmm. that? Well, it's limited in terms of time. So the, the power to institute these health mandates, like a boil order, like even uh, uh, wearing masks if some, some future pandemic should come around again, but the, the county executive or the health officials would still have the same power but they would be limited in terms of time. So when you've got situations like a boil order, there, there's never been, at least in my memory ever, a boil order that lasted 30 days. So this would not impede a local official from taking action. But if something's going to be on an extended long-term basis, they're going to have to obtain more authority uh, from Jefferson City. And don't you think that's a good balance between being receptive to emergency needs as opposed to allowing someone who's unaccountable to institute mandates that affect everyone on a long-term basis? Yeah, that, that's a new point now. You're, you're, bringing a, you're bringing in a time aspect. I mean, I didn't hear that original comment when I talked about legislation. Yep. That's a good point. You, you put a time frame on it, and then after that time frame, you examine the current situation. You yep. just examine facts and data. So, you know, and that's what we need to talk about that. And I think if people would talk about it in that terms, we probably would all come to a nice, good conclusion that everybody could live with. So yeah, I wish we would have had this conversation, not, not not just you you and I, Rob, but I mean, I wish we would have had, as a community, had this conversation six months ago, because we knew six months ago that some of these closures were having, in other words, the cure was in some degree worse than the disease. I mean, we were putting people out of business for reasons that that weren't necessarily effective to stopping the flow of the pandemic. And I wish we would have had this conversation six months ago. All right. I appreciate you taking my call. Rob, thanks for calling in this evening. Appreciate it. 
Hey, when we come back from this break, we're going to look at some other things out of Jefferson City, and we're going to talk to Mike Anderson about what's going on in Austin, Texas. So you're going to want to you're going to want to stick around. No, Mike's saying no. You're going to want to stick around because uh, uh, lots of fun this evening. We're going to be talking to Johnny Rabbit in the next hour. Uh, we're going to be uh, uh, talking about asteroids in the next hour. Big ideas. Big fun, big topics. Stick around. KMOX at your service on the voice of St. Louis. KMOX. Next level listening. News Radio 1120 AM, 98.7 FM. KMOX, the voice of St. Louis. Brad Young at your service tonight on KMOX. And be honest with me. You've thought about winning the lottery. I I know you have. Everybody has. And there's one thing that always comes up as you're driving and you see the billboard that says uh, that the lotto, the Missouri lottery is worth, uh, you know, $180 million. You start thinking about what you would do if you want it. Everybody does. That's why the billboards are there, right? But two things always kind of nagged at me. First is... Taxes, okay. <laughs> of course, if you got 180 million, you're really only going to get. And I've done this math before. You generally, if you want the the lump sum payout, you get about 35 to 40 percent of the gross after taxes and after the present day value. So, if something's going to be a hundred million dollars, you're going to get somewhere around 40 million bucks out of a hundred million dollar lottery after you pay the taxes. And after you take the present day value, because that money's payable over 25 years. So, uh, but I'm not going to quibble over that. But you talk about what are you going to do with that money? And taxes is the problem. But there's always this, there's always this other kind of thing that, that gets to me when I think about how cool it would be to win the lottery. And that is, they just, they post your name up on their website and the, there's this big press conference and then the dude that looks like Ed McMahon comes out with this giant five-foot-long check. And you're like, I don't want a check that's five feet long. I can't even get that in the ATM. What am I going to do with that thing? And so, the, but, but, the, but the publicity is what I'm getting at, is that you, they plaster your name everywhere. And then every cousin you've never heard of is ringing up your phone saying, hey, I hear you won the lottery. You know, I, uh, uh, I could sure use some cash. And so it's the publicity and the taxes, because I, I don't play the lottery, but it's the publicity and the taxes that always kind of makes me think, eh, I don't know. Even if I won, I, you know, it would be it would put you in a bad situation. Well, folks, your county government, or rather your state government, is nothing but receptive to that because the identity of Missouri lottery winners could be kept secret. Now they're not. Not waiving the taxes, unfortunately, because let's be real, government's never going to stop taxing you. That's never going to happen. But they're at least looking at this point of keeping your identity secret under legislation that was sent to, to Governor Parson that would reverse the state's current policy. Now, nationwide, and I, I looked at this today, most states in the country want to publicize your name. And think about it. It, it makes sense as to why, right? If, if Joe Schmo is making 10 bucks an hour 
and all of a sudden he you know hits it big at the at the at the lottery and now he's going to be bringing in 200 million big ones i mean they want to publicize that because when people see somebody that's in their same socioeconomic status winning it big off of a $10 quick pick at your local QT then at that point they they want to encourage other people to do it you know, obviously that's the that's the point of advertising right so there I understand why the lottery does that. Most states have a requirement that if you win, they get to publicize your name. So, I, you know, I've even concocted, and you're going to say, Brad, you've thought about this way too much, but I've even concocted this scenario where I could pick a, f- a friend of mine and have a contract where I would sell him my winning lottery ticket, and then he would agree to receive all publicity from it, so I wouldn't have to deal with any of the publicity from winning a lot. Yeah, you know, see, I've thought about this when I'm driving to court and stuff. So uh, that's that's the system that I've kind of put together. But this bill, though, that received final approval in the uh, in the Missouri Senate just at the close of business yesterday, it actually makes it a misdemeanor, a misdemeanor crime for the state lottery or any of its contractors to publicize the identity of lottery winners unless the winners ask for their names to be made known. Now, who would do that? You know, who would say, oh, pick me, pick me. I want you to publicize my name so people will come and try to steal money from me because it it occurs to me that, that I think it was in 2002, there was this guy that won the lottery. His name was Jack Whitaker. He won something like, oh, it was well over $300 million. And at the time, it was like the biggest jackpot ever in the country back in, you know, it was about 20 years ago. And as I recall the story, he he donated large sums of it. And then he lost like $600,000. It was in a briefcase in the back of his pickup truck. And somebody just stole the briefcase and had 600 grand in cash. I'm like, dude, why are you carrying 600 grand in cash? Uh, and he lost it, and then he lost the rest of it when somebody broke into his house. Uh, he got sued for like a 1.5 million from a casino over bad checks. I mean, he just literally uh, uh, spit the money away, uh, to, to say that politely. Uh, but who would want to say, "Hey, here's my name. I won the lottery." Nobody would do that. So if if Governor Parson signs this bill. As you're driving down the highway and you're contemplating, hmm, what would I do? What would I do if I won that $200 million lottery jackpot? Well, you still got to pay the taxes. I can't do anything about that for you. But at least the whole issue of will my name be splattered everywhere and all the relatives will be coming out of the woodwork to borrow some money, at least that issue will be gone. Brad Young, at your service tonight on Camo X. Hey, next hour... Johnny Rabbit. So you want to stick around for that on Camo X. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. 
Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.